0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon podcast. Hey Amen. If you'll go tonight, I want to take our attention to the book of Philippians. We're going to be reading verse four, or excuse me, chapter four and verse six. You can stand for the reading. We'll just read two verses of scripture. The word of the Lord says this it says, Be careful. For nothing. Another translation says, be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Yes, our CTK kids can be dismissed. Amen. One of these days, one of these days, and our youth, praise God. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and then if you'll skip down several verses to verse 19 the word of the Lord says this but my God everyone say my God my God God shall supply all not just a little bit but he'll supply all your need according amen to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus with the help of the Lord tonight I want to preach to us on this subject prayers answer I want to preach to us on this subject, prayers and answer. If you would, amen, just lift your voices and let's just ask God to have his way in our hearts. We're here, we're gathered together. This is about his word. It's about growing in his word. It's about him doing what he will in our hearts. I wonder if you just... Yield yourself tonight to the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we love you tonight. We're thankful for your goodness. We're thankful, God, for your spirit that we feel in this place. God, we're thankful, Jesus, that you are a prayer-answering God. Lord, that our prayers do not fall on deaf ears, oh God, but you are well able, Lord, to move in any situation. Lord, in any difficulty, Lord God, and you're able to give us an answer. We thank you for it tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Praise the Lord. I do give honor tonight to Pastor Blake. Amen. Thank you so much for your your leadership and your example in my life over the years. And uh, Brother Bollinger. Uh, so good as well to have you in service with us tonight and and your and wives, Amen. I was thinking just as I was sitting there about the combined years of ministry uh, between Brother Blake and Sister Blake and Brother and Sister Bollinger, and what uh, the stories they could tell uh, about ministry. But I honor you tonight uh, for your ministry and your faithfulness. Prayer's answer, prayer's answer. There's probably no better argument for prayer or motivation to keep praying than an answer than when we receive an answer to prayer. Amen. So when you're praying, you're talking to the Lord, and have you ever been there in that moment where you're praying and God answers a prayer, a prayer just comes, an answer just comes, and you know, man, God answered that prayer. I prayed that on Sunday. On Monday, this happened. It, it motivates you. It stirs you. It d- it makes you want to pray some more, pray about some more things. And uh, and so there's times when we pray for things, though, that uh, that an answer doesn't seem to be. It seems like uh, it seems like things are, you know, and that answer is never going to come. It's never going to come to pass. I'm reminded, I've been told the story of my Aunt Kathy who prayed for her. I was telling Brother Philip this, I think it was yesterday. She prayed for her father to come to the Lord for, I believe it was 18 years, if I'm not mistaken. And, and, and it took 18 years and it happened. And so sometimes though in life, it seems like a, an answer is never going to come. An answer is not to be. And we keep praying and we keep and we keep doing what we know to do. But I assure you tonight that Scripture tells us that answers to prayer, amen, are promised to us in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, But, Jesus talking about uh, modeling how to pray, he said, But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. And so he said, When thou prayest. A little later in Matthew 7 and 7, Jesus expounding a little further, he said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I'm hearing a little music up here in the, uh, in the monitors, I think. Either that or we need to pray for me. Uh, <laughs> Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. And so Jesus is teaching that the answers to prayer will come. Amen. Despite what we feel in our flesh, despite what we feel as we pray, as we're seeking the Lord for something, and and it doesn't seem like an answer is coming. Answers to prayer are promised in his word. So keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking, because you're going to receive that answer. It's going to be found. You're going to be able to open it. And not only are answers to prayer promised and taught in Scripture, but Jesus expects us to pray. Uh, In those same verses, uh, Matthew 6 we won't go through them all, but 5, 6, and 7. With each verse, Jesus begins those verses by saying, when you pray. And so it's assumed that you're going to pray. It's assumed that that's a part of your life. He didn't say if you pray, but he said when. In Matthew 6 and 9, Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. In Luke 18 and 1, the scripture says this, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So we have this clear directive from Jesus to pray. Yet so often prayer, you know, in our lives, sometimes it it can be, we can have been walking with the Lord for a number of years and we can think, you know what? I've been serving God for 20 years. And, and, uh, you know, I I know this, I've been around this, but yet we can find ourselves in a situation where I'm not taking this to the Lord in prayer like I should. It's my second or it's my third resort or, or God forbid, it's our last resort. But so Jesus expects us to pray. He said, when you pray, this is how you should pray. Amen. God's word continues to make it clear to us uh, that we are to pray as we look through the word of God. Colossians 4 and 2, uh, the scripture says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. And so if I'm to continue in prayer, and there's an expectation that I have been praying. The NLT renders it, uh, continue in prayer is devote yourself to prayer. De- to devote is to spend a lot of time and effort doing something. And so in this scripture, the activity of prayer is emphasized. But when we go to First Thessalonians 5 and 17, it tells us to pray without ceasing. And this verse doesn't mean we don't do anything else but pray, of course, because there's certainly other things that we're responsible for, that God has called us to do, and, and, and there's other things God expects and requires of us uh, and taking care of our family and working our job and so forth. So it, it's not just that you're stopping everything else and praying all the time, but what it does mean is talking with God and thinking about him should be at the forefront of our lives and our days. I mean, it means that when I'm going to work, you know, pastor talks about even if in the morning you're just praying a, a threshold prayer as you walk out the door, God, I pray that you would be with me today and you're, 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 you're making some kind of prayer, but, but you don't have to stop there. It doesn't have, your prayer doesn't have to stop there. That, that prayer without ceasing is just that continual attitude, that continual approach of, of conversation with God. Amen. man that that can just come and go as you go throughout your day. So praying without ceasing is is really just never stopping your conversation with God. You're going to have frequent interruptions. I get frequent interruptions in my day working at, at home, uh, working in the home office. Uh, my son wants to run in every every few you know little bit. They're they're homeschooled and he'll run in every once in a while and and Dad, did you know this about the Xbox and and did you know this about the Cardinals and he, and he he'll he'll those frequent interruptions come. You're going to have interruptions in your day. There's things. That are required of you at, at your, on your job and your works. But really praying without ceasing is, is just never allowing anything to come between you and God that stops that conversation. That at any moment, amen, that, that free flow is there. Amen. And so prayer is more than just an activity. It's just sometimes we think of prayer as, as, as something that we do when, okay, we kneel down. It's on maybe we think of it in the in the context of a Tuesday night church prayer meeting. Maybe we think of it as is kneeling down beside the bed, is kneeling down at the altar. But prayer uh, is so much more than just the activity, amen, but it's it's relationship. And when we pray without ceasing, that's that relationship that we have with God that, that develops um, and that grows. As Brother Hagan said on Sunday, religion will only get you so far, if you'll remember, and what a time we had on Sunday. What a powerful move of the Holy Ghost we had on Sunday, one filled with the Holy Ghost on Sunday, praise God. Amen. But, but as he said, religion will only get you so far, but it's your relationship with Christ that will keep you. It will carry you through. And we develop our relationship. I develop that relationship through prayer. One author said this, talking tonight about prayer's answer. He, he said, sometimes as much spiritual discernment is required to appreciate the answer to prayer, as to offer the prayer. In other words, it takes spiritual discernment on my part to recognize my need to pray. God, I need to pray today. But it also, what he's, his point is, is that it also takes as much spiritual discernment to appreciate the answer to prayer. Prayer's answer, you know, it doesn't always come molded in the little box that we expect it to come in, right? And I don't mean that in a, in, just in a negative sense either. Sometimes prayer's answer comes and God, God answers in a manner where he does so much more than what we could have ever designed, so much more than what we could have ever asked. Amen. Have you experienced that in your life tonight? Amen. I know I have. Uh, you asked the Lord for something. and When the answer came, it was so much better than anything that you could have constructed, anything that you could have dreamed of. Amen. And sometimes prayer, prayer's answer comes just as we expect. You know, there was a need... God met the need. That's, that sounds about right. That's what I expect. Sometimes it comes, as we mentioned, much greater than we expect. Sometimes it comes much differently, right, <laughs> than we expect. Prayer's answer can come much differently than we might expect. Well, God, I, if I, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I mean, have you ever found yourself thinking that? Uh, and so it can come much differently than you expect. Uh, but when our prayers are spirit-led and when we're, when we're spirit-led, in our prayers. And when our prayers are according to the will of God, I believe prayer's answer can come in a few different ways that we're going to talk about tonight. The first of which, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 12, we're going to read several verses of scripture here to just get the the context of what's going on. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, beginning in verse 5. And the, the first way that God Answers prayer, that prayer's answer can come to your life, is that God can change, step in and change the situation. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward, and they came unto the iron gate which leadeth unto the city, which opened them of his own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter began to knock at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she heard his voice. She opened not the gate for gladness, but she ran back in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. And they said, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Sometimes when we pray, God in response will change the situation, amen, that we're in. In this portion of Scripture that we are in, the context and the setting, Herod had put his forces to work to vex the church, and those forces of the spirit of the Antichrist are still working against the church today, and the answer uh, that was for Peter then is still the answer for us today, and that is prayer, amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. When you feel attacked and you're on your job, when things just aren't quite right uh, in your life and you just can't quite figure out, don't, don't be surprised. There, the Spiritual warfare, the spiritual world is as real as anything that you can see and anything that you can uh, that you can tangibly touch, the spiritual world is there. There's spiritual warfare that is raging. And sometimes I think we find ourselves in life, well, well why am I feeling this way? Why is this, why is this happening? And, and, and sometimes we just have to look in the mirror. It's because of the things that we're doing. But sometimes there's there's these other things at work in and spiritual warfare going on. And and the answer to Peter's situation was a praying church. Amen. And the, and, the, and the answer to our situations today is the same. It's prayer. Prayer is still the answer. James, the brother of John, had just been killed. And, uh, and because Herod saw that it pleased the Jews, he arrested Peter. And he put him in the, in the inner chamber of the prison. Amen. But there was a church that was praying. Aren't you thankful for the church tonight? Aren't you thankful for the church? For people, men and women of God, who love the Lord, who will call your name in prayer. I'm thankful for the church. Hallelujah. Amen. So here is Peter behind this iron gate, and he's in prison. He's stationed between these two guards. He's asleep. There's other guards around him. There's no way he's getting out in the natural. There's no way, uh, and haven't we been there in different situations in our life? God, there's no way out of this situation. God, I don't know how I'm going to take my way forward. And I can imagine Peter might have thought, you know, is this how it's all going to end? Is this this where it ends for me? Uh, And we can be there in our own lives at times. So here's Peter asleep, and he's in this prison. It seemed that everything was stacked against him. Have you ever heard of Murphy's Law? <laughs> everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Uh, perhaps that uh that, that that's the way he felt. This wasn't the way that it was supposed to work out. But Peter, in his change, he was sleeping, but little did he know that prayer's answer was on the way. Amen. Prayer's answer was on the way. Acts 12 and 7. The angel of the Lord appeared to Peter and he said, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison. I love the imagery of this verse. The wonderful inspiration that I see and that, I, that, that came to my mind as I read this was even in the darkest of nights as a child of God, as a believer, amen, as a child of God, there's hope, amen, and there's light, and so as long, I don't care what situation you might find yourself in, as long as you are calling upon his name, as long as you are going to him in prayer, there can be hope, there can be light in your situation. Amen. Things look so bleak in the world sometimes, and just when you can't, don't think the, the news reports can get any worse, you know, oh, surprise, the next day something something new uh, proves, you, proves you right or wrong. Um, But in this moment of time that we find ourselves living in, in this hour of great division, uh, we talked a little bit about it at Leadership on Sunday, just just the the culture that we live in being so divisive. In this hour, (laughs) I'm reminded of the scripture, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. It it all leads back to prayer. We've got to pray, and we've got to seek prayer's answer tonight. So prayer's answer came in the form of an angel, smote Peter on the side and woke him up. And those chains fell off, the Bible said. He said, get up, put on your cloak, put on your sandals, it's time to go. And they left, and he was delivered. Amen. Prayer's answer came by God changing that situation that Peter was in when the church began to pray. Amen. And God can do that for you tonight. God can do that for you tonight. I believe that. You could be one prayer away from God changing whatever situation you're in. One prayer. Think of that. Peter Had the church not prayed, he he may have lingered and languished in prison. But the church prayed, and they prayed without ceasing. He was one prayer away at that moment, and it happened, and you could be one prayer away. You could be on the brink of a breakthrough in your life to change your life, and it can just be a prayer away. And when I think of that, the hope that it brings, and it drives me to want to pray and to know him more. When prayer's answer comes, we've got to be careful to recognize it, though, right? In verse 15 and 16, when when she ran back in, she didn't open the gate immediately, but she ran back in. She said, Peter's right here at the door. And they said, You're crazy. You're mad. There, there's no way we I know we've been praying, and I know that's what we're supposed to do. And 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 God's, you know, and I, I know we're praying, but 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 you're you're mad, you're out of your mind. All the while, prayer's answer kept knocking. Peter kept knocking at the door. Acts 12 and 16 says, but Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. So the same people that were earnestly seeking God somehow at the same time were very shocked and surprised and astonished when prayer's answer came knocking on their door that night. So what's my point? My point is don't think it so crazy when God steps in and he changes your situation, amen, through prayer. Don't be so surprised when God works and he answers prayer, but recognize it and give him glory and give him praise, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 4, if you'll turn there in your Bibles, looking at another account, the early church was suffering persecution. Uh, Peter and John are arrested for preaching the resurrection from the dead through Jesus Christ. Uh, Despite persecution, verse 4 tells us that many heard the word and believed. Many were listening to them, listening to their preaching. The scripture tells us that 5,000 men believed. And so there was this great revival taking place in the early church, and a man was healed in this chapter of Uh, of a sickness. And the council wanted to know by what name or by what power have you done this? And and of course, Peter would answer and tell him it was by the name of Jesus Christ. And then not long after that, they were brought in. They didn't want them teaching. They didn't want them preaching in the name of Jesus. They didn't even want them to say the name of Jesus. Can you imagine being forbidden to say the name of Jesus? But they boldly proclaimed, amen, that they were going to continue. And so Here's this setting, this persecution in Acts chapter 4. There's this need. Here we have this church that's, that's blossoming and blooming, and, and there's this persecution coming against it, trying to stifle it. And there's a need, and we're going to see what that need was, and we're going to see how God stepped in and changed their situation. Acts chapter 4 and verse 23, the word of the Lord says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all uh, that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made the heavens. So they're praying, and earth, and the sea, and all that in them that that is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage, and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, behold their persecution, behold what they're doing and coming against what you've been doing in the earth. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by thy name of thy holy child Jesus. And And when they had prayed, and we'll get there in just a moment. Amen. But they're here praying for boldness. They're praying for boldness. This time of persecution, it takes courage in a time of persecution. Uh, Persecution is not a time for weakness. Persecution is not a time uh, to play church and to to idly stand by. But persecution is a time to dig deep in prayer. Uh, Persecution is a time to to pray for courage and pray for boldness. Amen. And so persecution was this daily reality that that we see in Scripture at this point in time. Amen. And verse 31 says this, it says, and when they prayed and when they had prayed, the place was shaken. And I noticed as I read that, notice that the place was not shaken until they prayed. Amen. A change didn't come until prayer went forth. But after that prayer went forth, there was a shaking. There was something that was beginning to happen when prayer went forth. The church began to pray and then God moved in and he changed their situation. He gave a boldness to the church that they were praying for. And the rest of verse 31 says this, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Amen. And so God is answering their prayer. He's giving them boldness. And then uh, a few chapters later in Acts chapter 9 and verse 26, Paul on the road to, or actually Acts 9 at the beginning is Paul's conversion. So here's this, they're praying for boldness. And God is answering their prayers in many ways, but also through the conversion of Paul, who was the number one persecutor of the church, public enemy number one of the church. And here he is. But again, here we see the response of the believers, just like Peter, and they didn't didn't believe. Oh, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. Acts 9 and 6, the believers again are having a hard time believing that prayer's answer had come. A persecutor was converted, but they couldn't believe it. Scripture says, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And for good reason, right? (laughs) He'd been persecuting the church. He'd been doing all these things and believed not that he was a disciple. My point is this, don't doubt God when he radically answers your prayer. But again, glorify him, give him praise, give him glory and honor and thank him for what he's doing in your midst. In Acts chapter 16, we also find the account of Paul and Silas who were beaten, they were jailed. They were put into the inner prison and their feet bound in stocks. And we read in verse 25 of Acts 16, the Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas, what did they do? They prayed. They prayed. God, I need you in my situation. God, I need you in this moment. We'd be wise in every situation. Amen. To do as Paul and Silas did right here in this point. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. I noticed as I was reading this and, and looking, studying for this message, Acts chapter 16, where this is found, it was written in approximately 51 AD by Luke and it, it takes place in Paul's second missionary journey. So 51 AD and then 2 Corinthians was written in a, by Paul in approximately 58 AD, several years later. And I think this incident with Paul, with with Silas, Amen. Had to have been one of the accounts that Paul was thinking of and that he may have reflected on when he penned 2 Corinthians 4 and 8. The Bible says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, down, but not destroyed. Amen. Paul and Silas found themselves in this situation. They were bloodied. They were beaten. They had taken many stripes on their bodies. and, And perhaps they were thinking in this prison, is this how it's going to end for us? Amen. But they didn't forget the God that they served. And I challenge us tonight, never forget who you serve. Never, never, never underestimate the power of God in your life. Amen. When when you are in your darkest hour, you need to run to God. Sometimes when, our, when we're in our darkest hour, we we want to I don't I don't know if I want to go to service. I don't know if I want to go to church. And and that will that that flesh will rise up in our dark hour. We're, we're not happy about what we're going through but the best thing that you can do in a beaten and bloodied state from, that the world has put on you is to run to Christ. It's to pray in Jesus' name and let Him do a work that only He can do in your life. You'll be changed forever if you'll but pray. Amen. And you'll seek prayer's answer. Praise the Lord. So prayer's answer came in the form of an earthquake. With Peter, it was the form of an angel. Here, it's the form of an earthquake that God sent. And answer, and when God answers prayer in your midnight hour by changing whatever situation it is, amen, be sure to recognize his hand. Be sure to glorify him. Be sure to recognize his voice, amen, and thank him for his hand on your life. So God steps in and he can change the situation, amen, that we're in. Another way prayer's answer comes is that God can show us how to change that situation. I won't forget uh, Pastor Romine preaching, and, and it's probably one of the messages that, and maybe it's because we refer to it a lot, but, uh, but, but it was, it's also so very impactful. But one of the messages that stands out to me, and that we've talked about here, is him preaching that God expects us to do right what we can do, and God will do what we cannot do. And there's times in life when God may not necessarily provide that immediate supernatural. Answer like the ones we've been reading about so far, but he shows us he can show us through prayer how to change the situation of the circumstance we're in. In Exodus chapter fourteen, we read the account of the children of Israel who are fleeing Egypt. Pharaoh's heart, the Bible says, was hardened. He began to chase after Israel. The Bible talks about six hundred chosen chariots, and oh, and all the chariots of Israel of, of Egypt, rather all the horses and the horsemen, all the army. And the Bible says they begin overtaking them as they were encamping by the sea. If you could imagine that in in your mind's eye in that moment, here, wow, they've they've left, they've, they're they're leaving Egypt, four hundred years of bondage, four hundred years of slavery. We're we're on the brink. Yet here is this threatening army behind me. Come, you can imagine the fear. Uh, sometimes we you know we we see it from the other side, right? That that we see that Moses part of the waters and and God miraculously delivered them through there on dry ground, but. But imagine being there in that moment, not having seen that, not not having been privy privy to that knowledge. Amen. Imagine the the kind of fear that you've been wrestling with. Amen. Fear began to to overtake them, spread among the people they were crying out. We would have been better to to be slaves in Egypt. We would have been better to to serve in Egypt than uh, than to die out here in the wilderness, than to just come out here and become a corpse in the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. Word of the Lord says this, and Moses said unto the people, fear not, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, you shall see them again, no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and, he, and, he, and you shall hold your peace. Verse 15 says this, talking about God showing us how to move and change the situation. Bible says, and the Lord said unto Moses, why criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Why, essentially you're saying, why, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. And so Moses had to give the command to move in that moment. Moses had to pick up his staff and lift up his hand over the waters. And he had to choose uh, in, the, in the face of these, these waves of the Red Sea before him, the wilderness all around him, this, this threatening army behind him. God showed Moses how to change the situation. But it was up to Moses in that moment to choose obedience and watch the hand of God, deliver them over after over 400 years of bondage. Sometimes we would rather have option number one, right? That we've been talking about tonight. God, just send an angel. Lord, just send an earthquake. Set me free from this situation. We'd we'd, we'd like for God to move that way. Wouldn't it be easier? I wouldn't have to to get too involved uh, and and, and it would just work out. You could just do it. Um, To the spiritual man, prayer is as necessary as breathing but it's not a substitute for work. It's not a substitute for work. It's not a substitute for what God expects us to do. And so when you're praying about a situation, don't think that prayer's answer should only come like Paul and Silas's midnight earthquake or like Peter's supernatural escape from prison. But the answer can also come to prayer by God telling us to roll up our sleeves, amen, and do what we can do. You command the people, Moses. You lift your staff. You teach a Bible study, amen. You invite your unsaved family member, or your neighbor to church, you work with Convoy of Hope uh, or Compassion Services International and and prepare goods to feed the hungry and provide relief for the needy of the world. Sometimes, I was thinking about this in this vein, and sometimes we ask God to send revival. And I understand what we mean when we say that, when we pray that. I understand our intentions are the best when we're praying it. Sometimes we say, God, why don't you send revival? If we're not careful, it can almost be a sense that, 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 God, why don't you just do it? But Jesus has given us the great commission. Amen. God didn't give the commission to us so he could turn around and do it for us. Uh, But he called us to be witnesses. Are we telling others about Christ? Are we doing what we can do? Or are we satisfied with asking God to answer our prayer for revival by his own supernatural means? Well, if the Lord wants to have revival, he can pour it out in O'Fallon. But are we doing what we can do when we pray for revival? Are we doing what we can do? That's one thing the Lord was impressing upon me for this message, amen, are we just waiting on him? When we do what God expects of us, of course he will do what we cannot. Amen, he will do what we cannot. So as you're praying, ask God to help you recognize what it is that perhaps he's asking you to do to change your situation. God, is, that, is, that, is there something I need to do here? Is there something I need to do different? And again, how do we find that? We, prayer through prayer. Prayer's answer is going to come. It comes in different ways, but it will come. Your willingness to be obedient, to roll up your sleeves, amen, of work can make all the difference in that answer to prayer. Imagine if Moses hadn't been obedient, Uh, and you can think of other examples in the Bible uh, of of that scenario, but he was obedient. It made all the difference. Sometimes another way prayer's answer can come is by God leaving the situation as it is, and he changes the one who's praying. This definitely doesn't seem like the feel-good storybook ending, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a feel-good thing that we might think of. It's probably the hardest answer to accept, and one we're not especially in our flesh really looking for, right? But yet this is how answers to prayer can sometimes arrive in our lives. So we read how Peter was miraculously delivered from prison, Yet Paul, the author of at least 13 books in the New Testament, 14 if you consider Hebrews uh, as, as being written by him as well, he wrote a great portion of the New Testament, yet he spent several different, uh, he spent different stints in prison for the cause of Christ. He wrote Ephesians and Philemon and Colossians and Philippians during his first Roman imprisonment from sixty approximately 60 to 62 AD. He was in prison. He wrote these books to the churches and to his friend Philemon. Paul could have resigned himself in that moment. That's, a, that's a, a, quite a span of time to be in prison. He could have resigned himself to frustration. He could have wallowed in futility. But instead, in Philippians chapter 1, we find him praying, a prison epistle. We find him praying in verse 12, or in the, in, in the first chapter. In verse 12, this is his mindset. This is his mentality as he's going through this situation. He says in the the New Living Translation, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to to spread the good news. He goes on to talk about being able to, despite his situation, witness to everyone around him. I'm witnessing to the guards and the soldiers and the different ones. Paul, in the middle of his trial, in the middle of his situation, uh, continued in great faith while God was using the situation to change Paul, to change those around Paul. Amen. And Paul's attitude and his outlook is something we, have to, we need to emulate as we go through our own situations in life. Sometimes when it seems that prayer's answer comes to change us, amen, we, we've got to keep the faith as Paul did, and we've got to keep the outlook that he had. I'm also reminded, thinking of Apostle Paul, of the three times that he prayed, God, uh, remove this thorn in my flesh. And we don't know exactly what that thorn in the flesh was. Many think it was a physical ailment. But he, he prayed for this to be removed. But 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. The NLT says, My grace is all you need. Amen. And isn't that so true? In every circumstance, in every situation that we find ourselves in, truly his grace is all that we need. Paul, he, and he said, For my strength is made perfect in weakness, Paul continues by saying, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know what? I'm going through a terrible time right now. I'm going through things that I never thought I would face. But when I have that attitude of faith and when I have that outlook and I say, God, use this, God, teach me, God, change me, when I do that, people will be able to look at my life and they'll say, Wow, I can't believe he's going through that, but he's still going to church. I can't believe she's going through that, but she's still going to a Tuesday night prayer meeting. She's still serving God. Amen. God's power at work in our lives, amen, is on display. Praise the Lord. And he continues to say that when sickness comes, and it's going to come, when weakness comes, insults, hardships, persecution, and trouble, when they come for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. Amen. What a godly perspective to have in this hour. Paul, you think about his ministry. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was left for dead. Uh, He was imprisoned. Tradition tells us that he was beheaded uh, at the end of his life. Yet his perspective in Philippians 1 and 21 was this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The message translation paraphrases it this way. It says, alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. I believe Paul, through prayer and through submission to God's will, had such an incredible and impactful ministry because he was not resistant to the changes that God had for his life, that God worked in him because he kept an eternal perspective. Amen. So many times we get caught up in the things of this life, in the temporal things of this life, and we lose sight of the the eternal perspective. Amen. But we've got to have that first. And if we have that first, God will work those changes in us. He'll use such, situ- he can use situations to change us so that uh, Sister Harris said it so uh, wonderfully last night, just talking about everything that we do, our prayer, uh, when we come here to church, when we listen to the ministry of the word, when we listen, uh, and what, what are we doing? We It's all so that we can be saved. It's all so that our souls can be saved so that one day, he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so, so many times we get we get distracted by the things of this world and, uh, and temporal things that that shouldn't impact our attitude and our outlook. Amen. But if we'll keep that eternal perspective as Paul had, amen, God will, will allow even situations to change us so that one day we will walk across that threshold. We will see him face to face as he is. Amen. So when we continue in prayer, we find that God will change us even so that situation is no longer a hindrance to us. The thing prayed about may remain unchanged in your life, but praying, the praying that you do can transform the prayer, amen. And so sometimes God uses a situation to change us, amen. Would you stand together with me tonight? I wanted to talk to us, I felt this for a few weeks and then the pastor uh, wanted me to speak tonight. I felt to talk about this and to, to preach about this, to talk about prayer, amen. Thinking in your own life. I've no doubt you're thinking perhaps of your own, some of the own things that you're praying about. But And as you're thinking about that, remember that we serve a, a God that loves you. He loves you. He's for you. Yes. Amen. And he wants, he wants to see you prosper and, and, and spiritually and in other ways. But, but he loves you. He's a just God. And at the end of the day, he's sovereign and he has your best interest in mind. With every answer to prayer. So every, every answer to prayer that you receive in your life, it may not always be the angel in the prison. It may not always be, uh, you know, Moses, God, you know, God, it, it, who knows how prayer's answer is going to come, but I believe that it's going to. His word teaches it. And if we'll be sensitive to his will, amen, it will come. And the key through, through all aspects of life and the crux of my message tonight is, is that the key through life is simply to pray. If we'll pray. How do we receive salvation? We pray. God, I'm sorry for my sins. Oh God, I, I, I want your forgiveness in my life. I haven't been what you've called me to be. I haven't, I haven't done the things that you've expected or the things that I've been taught about in the word. I, I haven't quite done those things, God. It's through prayer. Amen. Baptism in the name of Jesus. Where do we, where we, you know, we, we find that in his word. Amen. Baptism of the Holy Ghost, when we're praying, when we're worshiping him, yielding ourselves to him as happened on Sunday, right over here. Amen. He will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He'll fill you with all. If it's been a while since you've been refilled with his spirit, I challenge you, just, just pray. Just pray and see what God will do in your life. Amen. Pray. Hallelujah. Romans 8 and 28 reminds us, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Prayer's answer may not always come, and the fashion that you would design. It may not always come the same way, but we take great comfort in knowing that God answers prayer, and that is enough. Amen? He answers prayer, and that is enough. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The fact that He's still on the throne tonight, you can take great hope and comfort in, and then order to propel us to a deeper walk, a deeper relationship with Him. Now, if I could encourage you tonight with the prayers that you're praying, whatever prayers you're praying right now, if I could encourage you tonight, I would draw from his word again and I would say, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking and you will find prayer's answer. Amen. I wonder if you can we can lift our voices in prayer tonight. Let's just ask the Lord to help us recognize his voice in this hour.